man, I've turned it up three times and it still won't spray right. everyone, you're listening to Tim McKinney from ITW Evercoat. Evercoat, the brand trusted by more shops for automotive and marine repairs than any others for almost 70 years. Bringing you continued innovations like Optex Filler with color-changing technology and Optex Superbuild with a built-in guide coat. And now, here's Tim. Hello everyone, this is Tim McKinney with Evercoat. I got my friend on the line here, Chris. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about spray guns. So, Chris, if you wouldn't mind, give me a real quick introduction, who you are and what you do for the audience. Yeah, Tim, thanks so much. My name is Chris Springer. Uh, I work for Dan Am Company. We're the exclusive importers for SADA spray equipment in the U.S. and Puerto Rico. Uh, my role within the company, um, I kind of focus on the technical side of things, things that perhaps we may be missing in the industry or as products get introduced into the market. Um, if there's something that maybe our spray guns or any of our equipment isn't working at top, you know, tip top expectations, uh, it's my job to know that, to get that information, to relay that over to Germany so that they can develop something. Um, also, I manage the paint company relationship uh, for the equipment from the training centers to the development labs to the applications facilities. Um, so it kind of, you know, I spin quite a few different plates, but uh, the majority of it is always focused around product and application equipment. So spray guns, that's, that's really my background and, and where I'm most comfortable and where I do the, my best work. Wow, man, I knew you wore many hats, but I didn't know you wore that many hats. Wow, <laughs> dang on. I, I feel an honor to be talking to you, dude. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris and I have got to know each other pretty well over the past, what, a uh, couple, three years, ran into him at a uh, training facility, and we talked a little bit about our products, and he, we talked a little bit about uh, spraying our products with their particular guns, and since then, we've kind of got together and tested some guns and learned a little bit more, but for today, I wanted to talk a little bit more about some polyester primer faux pas with spraying. And over the years, we've had some really interesting questions about, you know, well, why things aren't working correctly. And Chris as well, I mean, you've had some questions from that as well. People call up and say, hey, I'm trying to spray one of these Evercoat uh, high build, high solid polyesters, and it's not spraying right. I mean, what, what kind of stories have you had about that? I'm sure you've got a one or two. Well, yeah, and that's it. It's, it's what should I be using? And this is what I've already done and it doesn't work. So now you got to bail me out. Um, so there's, you know, the questions are all over the board, as you can imagine. I would think that uh, something that may be a misconception or something that, that a lot of people out there don't realize is that we're the equipment manufacturer, you produce the polyesters and sprayable fillers, and then some people may not think that we ever meet up. And I think that's, that's very important to put out there that we, we would be doing ourselves a disservice and you would as well. So we get together, we make sure that our equipment, you know, works well with your stuff. You spray it out, you give us feedback, we give you feedback that we hear. And I think that relationship is important and it helps us, you know, with what we're doing today with this podcast, it, it helps us head off some of those issues by putting the right information out there, explaining it to people about, 
you know, here's the ideal setup. Is there a little bit of fudge factor left and right of that? Sure, but but this is the ideal where our equipment is performing the way it's supposed to. It's your product is performing the way that it was developed and designed to. And uh, and I just feel like that's important information for these guys to get. I, you know, and you hit it right on the head because I've had people say, well, do you actually work on cars? Do you actually spray this stuff? And you can account how many hours did we spend in the booth spraying the products and playing around oh, sure. with the pressures to get to get them to spray right. And from us, we get the question, you know, and I love the questions that you can always tell the lead in, hey, can I spray a, a high build polyester with a 1-4 gun? And you can know that they're already going into the point because that means I've already done it and it's not working. <laughs> what do I do now? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I tell people all the time, listen, if you're trying to spray a high build, high solid polyester primer, you better not even have a 1-4 anywhere within arm's reach. You know, I mean, you've got to start... I say with something that starts with a two point something, yeah. uh, you know, like we were just talking about a moment ago. Yeah, it can be a one eight, maybe yeah. depending on what the gun is. But uh, yeah, a one six, one four. No, 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 no. And, and, you know, people have called me saying, well, I don't want to spend a whole lot of money because I, I've even had people say that they think that if they spray a polyester, they're never going to get it out and the gun's going to be locked up and right. it's going to be junk and they want to go get a, you know, a gun from, I'll just say a a, uh, 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 a tool supply company that you know may be in the reference of freight or dates and something along that line. And then they call me wanting to know why it's not spraying well. And I'm that like- Rhymes oh. with barber. <laughs> yes, yeah, like barber date. Oh, yeah, yeah well, there you go. Like that. There we go. So, but you know, it, it, there, we, we've got to look at the equipment that's being used and how it's being used. So, you know, when you're talking about high build, high solid polyester primers, we spent some time, you know, with the triggers, just spraying out some of our super build and, and uh, our finish sand and uh, the, the, the slick sand, I think we even sprayed a little bit. So it, for the, the people listening to this podcast that have, are using some of our products in the past, or maybe they're, they're looking at, at purchasing some of our products now and they're looking at, you know, a gun recommendation, what would be some of your advice to help these people understand and anyone um, to help them to lay down a real nice coat of polyester primer that's going to work the best for them? Well, I, I, I think first customers need to understand that, that just like paint and, and, you know, liquid products, the equipment side, not all things are created equal, just like on the product side, not all things are created equal. So they may have some, some experience where they were able to use a 1.4 or a 1.6 spraying someone else's polyester that they classified as high build. But in our world where, where I would classify us as for prof professional use only, right? Experienced, trained individuals. And granted, we get into you know the DIYs, the Fred in the Shed type of guy that uh, is doing something at home. But if, for the most part, I would say we, we classify ourselves as for professional use. Right. So that right. being said, you're developing a product that's going to require a quality tool. Um, I always kind of relate it back to a screwdriver, right? We, we've all had our fair share of generic or cheap sets of screwdrivers around the house. But as somebody that works on things and is handy and works with tools, you know when you've grabbed a quality Phillips head screwdriver, the way it fits into a Phillips head screw, 
you're not worried about how far do I get this in before I start stripping the screw because it fits. But, but you get the analogy, right? It's when you use a quality tool, you can tell the difference. And Absolutely. to me, that's just one of the most relatable because who hasn't screwed in a Phillips head screw and who hasn't stripped a Phillips head screw because it just doesn't fit in that T just right. You, you yep. know what I mean? Oh, I, I know all too well. And I, the other thing I've even said is even if you have the right tool, you know, back on my side of it, you know, the, I, I'll hear the question of, well, is it okay to put some reducer in? And if, for anyone listening to this podcast, you know, if you're spraying a polyester, and you're trying to get the film build that we say per dry film thickness per coat. Once you start reducing it, you're starting to loose to lower some of those film builds. And usually whenever I'm getting that question, it's because the gun's not necessarily the right tool for the job. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about, you know, trying to spray high build, high solid polyester out of something that's not really meant for it. And I like personally, if I'm spraying a polyester, I like a one eight larger. And I think it sprays the best. And the two guns that we worked with uh, when Chris came out here, and I really started liking both of those guns, uh, was the 100 and the 1000. And uh, for anyone that's actually able to watch this, we, we're playing this on Podbean, and we've got a video over on YouTube. Um, I think, uh, Chris, you said you got, you got a picture to show what the differences were between those two guns. Yeah, there, I have three laying in front of me that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit about with you. Um, Perfect. But just starting with our, our Jet 100, this is what we would classify as our primer gun. Uh, right there on the handle, it says a Jet 100 BP uh, RP. The B stands for, uh, it, it's a German word for cup, for, for like a gravity cup. So it just means that the cup is on top. So, and when you're looking at these guns, if you are looking at them and, and you know, there's still that chance where we're going to run into people that haven't used gravity feed they, they're more on the siphon feed side of things. This is still, and, and I will, I, I love doing this test when I'm in a classroom with guys, I, I hold up this gun and say, is this a gravity feed or a siphon feed gun? And always the class, unless they've heard my, my little, I'm setting you up for failure. They all say, oh, that's a gravity feed gun. Well, you're right to a point. Uh, the, the cup is on top. And if there was no air hooked up to the gun and I pulled the trigger, material would come out. So it is feeding it from the top by gravity. However, the relationship between the way the air cap and the fluid tip meet, there's actually a vacuum that's created there. So when you have a specific amount of air pressure in the, going into the gun that is pulling out the front, it's actually pulling your material out. So if we had no air and we pulled the trigger for one minute, we might get you know, two ounces of material in a cup. But when we plug this in and pull the trigger for a minute with that 29 PSI, which is where this is approved for transfer efficiency and everything, um, we might be up at 10 ounces per minute. So no, this, this is where it goes back to me saying not all equipment is created equal, not all product is created equal. And I'm right with you, Tim, my experience and, and the amount of polyester I've sprayed is, is quite a bit. Some people know my background that I was with a paint company prior to here, and I did some development on a polyester that we ended up marketing. I've worked with you guys for, for years, um, from some of the people that work in your office that I've known for, for over 20 years. So we have a good relationship. We understand that. But on the equipment side of things, um, not all equipment is created equal, and not all of them create a nice uniform atomization and vacuum of, of material that's coming out of the gun. 
Um, but I, I'm gonna set that aside for a second. So this is our Jet 100. This is our Jet 1000. You can see on the side there that that says 1000. Yep. The biggest differences in, in the way that we do our numbering system, um, a, a three-digit gun would be classified as an undercoat or a primer gun, and a four-digit gun we, we classify as a top coat gun, something that you would spray base coat, clear coat, or single stage with. So a 1000 technically falls into a top coat gun for us, but there's, there's an asterisk there, and I want to explain that. Um, in the primer gun, in the Jet 100, this is primarily focused on the automotive industry. So it does go up to, um, I want to say this goes all the way up to a 2.0 in the RP and a 2.1 in HVLP. So both of our guns, the 100 series as well as the 1000 series, both come in HVLP, which stands for high volume, low pressure, um, or RP, which in our world, that's a reduced pressure, reduced from old conventional style guns where those took 55 or 65 PSI inlet pressure uh, to get your atomization. All of our guns are approved at 29 PSI is the maximum inlet pressure because we do have to follow 6H rules on transfer efficiency, you know, making sure that more than 65% of the product that's coming out of the front of the gun is going on a panel and staying on the panel. It's not just going into the air or into the filters or out the stacks or out your garage door as you're spraying. And you know, to that point, Chris, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'd tell you what, the first time I ever went from a siphon feed gun to a gravity feed gun and realized, holy cow, I don't need as much paint to paint a car when I went yeah. to a gravity feed gun. And then I look around the shop and go, well, I just painted a car yellow and everything <laughs> around here is yellow, including me. Yeah. So going to a, the gravity feeds uh, versus the siphon feeds and understanding the, the efficiencies of guns. You know, it's not just about, uh, it is about making sure we're not putting, you know, all these solvents out in the air. But at the end of the day, it's also about knowing that you don't need as much material. You're, you're saving exactly. cost in this process as well. Yeah. Not, not only is your transfer efficiency hugely increased, but just the function of that cup, siphoning the material up a straw. You know, a lot of people, when you tip over the gun, you would always paint your your hoods and roofs and deck lids first with the fear. Usually there was a rag wrapped around the, the cup because there was the fear of I got a full cup and I need to tip it to, to spray that hood. But now I'm worried about a drip. But if I spray my verticals first, I've used por a portion of that cup and it's kind of like taking a drink out of a cup with a straw, right? That straw is tipped to the one side and then you start sputtering. And, and really that's where everything migrated to a gravity feed or the way that we market them as a gravity feed gun because they are more efficient they have better transfer efficiency you can use less material and they're just when the paint's gone the paint's gone you know it, it drains out the throat it's basically entering here from the cup and within two inches it's coming out the front of the gun and in fact i have a cutaway version that you can take a peek that red passage right there that's all the liquid there is inside the gun so there's not a lot of liquid inside the gun. It's just entering in and then getting siphoned out by the air cap and the, and the fluid tip relationship there. But I, I want to finish my thought as well on, on the 1000 being what we classify as a top coat gun. I would say the 1000 falls more into like industrial applications. So where this is a top coat gun is uh, guys that are shooting file cabinets or air conditioning units or 
you know, trains or buses, things that don't require typically metallic finishes. Uh, you know, a lot of solid colors, a lot of low gloss or full gloss. It does a great job at atomizing, but we do kind of categorize it as an undercoat or as a top coat gun. But this is where the asterisk is with, with Evercoat and your products. It's this gun in the 1000 line where the Jet 100 only went up to a 2.0 in the RP and a 2.1 in HVLP. We can go all the way up to a 5.0 in this. And I'm talking from a 0.8 fluid tip all the way up to a 5.0, which is like a needle the size of my pinky, right? Coming out the front of the gun. Yeah, it looks like you've taken a drill bit and drilled that sucker out because yeah, absolutely. The, I got back there, I held up the light and I'm like, wow, it looks like a pipe cup with some light coming through there, but you can move some material through that. Oh, you sure can. Oh yeah. Uh, now we do have something because in the automotive and the and just the the desire for polyester and the usage of polyester is increasing in all businesses industrial, automotive, commercial, in everything. We do have a Jet 100. Again, this is called a Jet 100 BP, but this one's a little bit different. It's black. Um, and this is classified, it's got that red ring on the front. This is a polyester gun. This is a gun that, that again, not all things being created equal, this was created to spray polyester fillers and primers. Yeah. The, the, and, and here's just a couple differences. Um, when you, first off, we'll look at the, you know, the fluid tips on your, what would that be? What is that for you, uh, Tim? Is that your, the, this one's on your right? That's on my right, yeah. The blue oh yeah, you're right. That's a 1.4 in our Jet 100. This one on this side is a 2.5. AKA a garden hose. Yep, and it, and it only comes with a 2.5. It is, it's, it's pretty much optimized for your product. Yeah. Right. Let, let's be real here. We're one of the world leaders in spray guns. You're the world leader in, in body fillers and polyesters and everything that you do. It's very smart for us to make something that works great with your product, because if we go out and we happen to stop in someplace, most likely we're going to run into your brand. And we have um, cross paths. We have. Yep, cross absolutely. Paths. Um, so another one of the big differences is the height of the air horns. I'm going to lean to the side so you can use my TV. You can see how high those air horns are. On the polyester gun, you can see they're shaved back. Reason being is when you spray polyesters with a typical um, or what we would consider just a standard air cap on it, these air horns stick out just enough that when it atomizes, it blows a little bit of polyester and it hits these air horns and it actually starts to build up on them. Uh, depending on how much you spray, right? You could be in a boat manufacturer and they're shooting gel coat all day. And that gel coat, the guys are constantly having to take a rag or you know wipe off those air cap, uh, air horns. With these ones being shaved back, the reason being, right, when, when you look at, at both of these air caps, I'll try to do my best to get them into some light where it can focus. There's a lot of little holes in this one. There's two in, in each side of the air horn, as you can see there. And in this one, it's, it's very kind of rudimentary. There, there's a hole on each side. There's a big honking hole in the middle for the product to come out. And there's, there's a balance, right? We can over-atomize products. You know, you, you experience that when, when you have somebody call and say, I have a 1.8 and it just doesn't seem to be putting enough out. Can I crank that air pressure up to 75 and see what happens? And again, it's a siphon feed gun with a gravity cup. 
increasing air pressure will increase how much material is coming out, but to a finite point. It's, it's going to max out at some point where it can no longer pull it out faster than you would need to bump up to something like a pressure pot. Mm -hmm. And you get to a point where you're trying to crank it up to get more material out to create more wetting when in fact you're just shooting yourself in the foot because that increased air pressure for what it's doing for the additional material, it's just over atomizing it, it's making it dry. The droplet is now so dry that you have these big scratches and when that droplet hits, it hangs out in the top of the scratch. And then, you know, it's never going to shrink down or as everyone perceives it as shrinkage uh, or sand scratch swelling, right? It's not going to shrink down before you get that thing top coated. It's going to be when it goes out and it's sitting in the parking lot or in the sun, when the sun really is getting it hot. And then all of a sudden that, that polyester or that primer drops down in that scratch. And now, you know, your work is, is exposed of, I was trying to fill these scratches and all I did was bridge them over. Yeah. And, and to that point, I get questions asked all the time of, man, I sprayed your product, uh, whether it's slick sand or super build. And I get a lot. Super builds a very popular product for us. Yeah. And for anyone listening, if you are spraying slick sand and you're considering going to super build, I highly suggest it because the gun that Chris has, sh has just shown you that gun with super build. I mean, they're just like, a match made in heaven. Th those products spray so much better with that gun that, that Chris just showed you. Um, the surface stays wet and smooth. You know, when I see people trying to crank the air pressure up to try to push the product out versus it flowing, like you just said, you know, they get this ripple effect across the top. And then they're calling me going, why is there so much texture to the product? Well, we don't manufacture texture and put it in the can. It's during the application process when the air pressure is not right. And if you've got a gun set up the right way to the point where you were talking about the, the maximum inlet air pressure, not being crazy high, and it just works with that needle tip size to get it to flow out properly. Yeah. I tell you what, I've sprayed a lot of, of, a lot of polyester primers with a lot of different guns. And when Chris came out here and we spent some time with those guns and, and that 100 gun you just showed, it was just like, holy cow, but it made my product look so much better. And if anyone likes to sand texture off a primer, yeah, go ahead and keep doing what you're doing. But if you want some film build to stay there and you don't have to sand off texture, follow Chris's advice on this gun here. Trust me, you, he's not steering your own. Well, and, and, and that it's a very, very good point, the sanding off texture, right? Some of the biggest complaints I would get, I, I mostly did color and clear coat development work in my, my last few years with the paint company. But my coworker and partner and manager handled all undercoats. So we would, we would jointly work on things together. And we would get these issues of guys saying, well, I put on four coats of your high build primer. And then I, you know, I got to start blocking it with some 320 to straighten out the amazing body man's work. No offense to all my body guys out there. Um, but, you know, they, they think the finest sandpaper is a cheese grater that they finish out with before they send it to the paint shop. And primer can do a lot. And I think that's where the, the increase in popularity of polyesters have come in is just they build quicker um, and they sand great now. It's not like you're putting something on and it's like the old, old style where they get like this case hardening and you got to start blocking with 180 or 220 because it's just so hard. Now, some of the, the polyesters you guys have, they, they sand as well as any high build urethane primer I've ever sprayed. Yep. And, and in fact, most guys, if you didn't, if you couldn't smell it when you sand it, 
you wouldn't know that it wasn't a urethane product. Uh, but that being said, we would get guys complaining of, oh, I put four coats on, I block it, now I burn through, I need to apply more. And what I would tell them is, are you sanding out scratches or are you sanding out texture? And most times the answer was, well, I have to put four coats on because I got to, you know, when I guide coat it and start blocking to get through the orange peel. That's the best part about this gun right here, the Jet 100 uh, BP, the polygun. This will spray your polyester almost as smooth as sealer. Yeah. Like there, there's people that are like, I can start blocking with four or 600, even though you wouldn't even need to go that fine because traditionally you, it's your product. I'm going to default to you on this. You would still recommend like sealing over top of it before top coating it. Right? Oh, and that's an excellent point. Thank you for bringing it up, my friend. Um, yes, you know, for a polyester primer, I, I recommend, I say it like this, you know, think of this like a spray filler you know, for your putty where, you, you know, you're going to, you've got something that's noticeable, you put a filler, you got something you can kind of see, you maybe put a putty over top of it. And if you want something, you know what, I've had to do a couple repairs on this quarter panel for this uh, 67 Ford Fairlane that I want to paint black and make it look really nice. Yeah. Save yourself some time and spray on some polyester primer. Yeah. And then after I get somebody that's done that scenario, to your point, they'll say, well, I had to put on so much. And so I cranked up the air pressure. I've had people call me up and say, is it okay to start with 80 or 120? I'm like, why are you cutting so harsh and sanding yeah. so much material off? Yeah. Um, you know, spray our stuff. And if you've ever sprayed our old feather fill from 1972, yes, feather fill started in 1972. Then we came out with feather fill G2. Now we have a new version of that called finish sand four to one, same film build, but oh my gosh, does it spray nice with this gun he's talking about. Super build, a high build, high solid, six to eight mils per dry film thickness coat. That one even sprays like a sealer out of this gun. And you're just, now you, when you're sanding, you're sanding the primer, you're not sanding off the waves of orange peel that you got to deal with. Yeah. And so instead of having to start with something that coarse, you can start with maybe a 320. Some people I say, you know, if you got to go anything coarse than a 220, you're probably trying to take off some orange peel that you didn't need to have in there. Yeah, and because we have the three different options, right? We've got our standard Jet 100, then we've got our Polygon in the 100, and then we have the 1000s. You know, it's it's just make sure you're grabbing what's going to most align with the product that you're using. You know, if and, and the size of the jobs that you're using. Um, because this is a 2.0, and I think it's ideal, and it sprays everything like sealer essentially. If I'm painting a train. Is this going to be fast enough for me? Is it going to put out enough material? Am I going to be able to go down the entire side of a locomotive? Well, and both sides and up over the top. You know, that's where I may jump into my 1000 and use a 3.0. Or you're, you're doing boat hauls and, and, you need, and you're getting into sprayable gel coats. You know, know that we have that entire series of, of nozzle sizes that I feel like we have a very good coverage for the products that are out there. You know, the, the all the way up to a 2.0 in the Jet 100, a 2.5 only in the Polygon, and then from a 0.8 all the way up to a 5.0 in the 1000. You know, for the do-it-yourself market, because this, this can be used as a top coat gun, maybe they get this gun with a 1.4 in it and order a, a 3.0 fluid tip set for it. And they could spray their polyester and their filler with the, the larger fluid tip 
And if they're shooting some single stage or something like that at home, then they can use the same gun to do the rest. They're not, you know, buying a $150 gun to do one job and another $150 gun to do another job and, and it adding up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, having the, having the right tool, the right job, and knowing that, you know what, maybe, maybe I spend a little bit more money and I get this gun that I can do dual purposes with it yeah. versus going to the, the date company, as we were talking about, and getting one of those guns. Well, well, I'll just use this gun. It'll work okay. It's, it's, you know, it's a 1.8 or it's a 1.7. It should probably work okay. And, and if I don't worry about cleaning it out, well, heck, I'll just throw the gun away. And I've said, you know what, when you think you're saving money on the front end like that, how much is your time costing you by trying to fix it on the back end? And sure. that's whenever we go into the shops and I'm talking to folks about, you know, walking through the procedures and the process for the repair, having them understand the difference between working on something now and setting themselves up for the next step so that that one's easier to go through. And if you can understand that, it makes all of the difference in the world. Oh my gosh. And very well said. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny you talking about the rag around the, the uh, siphon feed gun. I was going to say, did you see me painting in the eighties? <laughs> Cause I'm just, that's, that was kind of my go-to trick there. So it didn't drip out and you know, just, yeah, yeah. Did, been there, done that. I bought the t-shirt, you know, and oh, for sure. gray hairs are there for a reason. <laughs> so, so in terms of, of application for polyesters, for, for the guns we were talking about, we talked about inlet pressure. So, uh, so anything over 50 pounds is too much air? I mean, uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, part of 6H and, you know, the United States, we have, it's more or less, if it's an HDLP, it cannot exceed 10 PSI at the air cap, okay? So there are air cap test gauges where it measures the center air as well as your air horns, and that air cannot exceed 10 pounds. And I was joking about the 50 pounds only because I wanted to get to that point because that is very important. There are some areas of the country, and there are certain states, certain areas around big lakes where this is very critical, and yeah. trust me, just because you know no one's looking that particular day, you bump the air pressure up a little bit, you're not really doing yourself any favor. And if you get caught, that could be another issue. So sure. make sure you're staying within those limits. Yeah, and, and as a as a spray gun manufacturer, we have to. Okay, I, I, let me let me put it this way. So an HVLP is bound by ten pounds at the cap. That is measurable. We have to prove that to the government, to the EPA, and to like. South, South Coast Air Quality Management District out in California, we show them that our HVLPs meet 10 pounds at the air cap with 29 inlet. That's where we develop them. On the RP side, right, that blue ring, any gun that you see from us that has a blue ring, that's an RP. Um, on that side, it exceeds 10 pounds at the cap. So just for entertainment purposes, we're gonna say it's about two thirds comes out of the cap of what you put in. So if we put 29 in here, I've got 18 coming out of my cap. Well, that's out of compliance, right? Didn't I just say that I, I cannot exceed 10 pounds at the cap? And you yeah. are right, but that rule has two sides. It's either no greater than 10 pounds at the cap or 65% transfer efficient or greater. Good to know. So 65 okay. is the minimum. So our guns need to be tested. They get tested by a third-party company. We produce them, or SADA Germany produces them. They get tested. Then they submit guns to South Coast, and South Coast actually does all the testing for the EPA at the moment. And we receive an approval letter. And that approval letter goes 
on the internet. Um, it's easily achievable to, to get one if you had somebody come in and say, you know, do you have an approval on that gun that you're using from SADA? SADAUSA.com. You can go down to approvals and find the gun that you're using. Now, you won't find HVLP approvals in there. Those aren't needed. But any RP gun that we manufacture will have an approval letter. Like you said, there's areas like, you know, prior to 6H going into effect, there was the Great Lakes area, mm -hmm. which specifically Illinois was HVLP only. It didn't matter if you had an approval letter or anything, and you get guys that want to spray clear coats with an RP, and they would sneak one in. And I know of shops that got a $10,000 fine for having a non-compliant or what that state's legislation called a non-compliant gun. Even though the, you know, the remaining 49 states, it was totally legal. In Illinois, it was illegal because they were HVLP only. Yeah. Now that 6H is kind of covering the entire US, they've taken away HVLP only in the few states that have that. And as long as you have a letter from us, it's, it's a legal gun. Uh, but that higher pressure at that air cap does translate to, I, I try to tell people this way, if, I, if on the HVLP, I have 10 pounds of vacuum, and on the RP, I have roughly 18 pounds of vacuum, I'm able to pull more material through an RP than an HVLP. And typically when it comes to, you know, body fillers, uh, polyesters, high build urethane surfacers, things like that, having that little extra potential for atomization, meaning I don't have to crank my air pressure up to get better atomization. The way we develop our guns is they're plug and play. With my fluid wide open and how I set my fluid wide open is I turn my fluid control all the way back, I pull the trigger, and then I turn this knob in until it stops. And when it stops, what's happening is this little barrel is hitting the back of the trigger. So when the trigger is fully depressed, this needle comes back and it's hitting the back. With the needle all the way back, your fan control all the way open, and the inlet at 29 pounds, that is classified as balanced in our world. And we do that so you don't have to have a lot of guesswork. We don't want you to, well, my fan control is in one quarter turn, my material is three in one quarter turn, and then I've got to you know, stand on one leg and wave my left arm while I'm spraying for everything to work out right. It's easier to tell somebody everything wide open, set your air pressure here, and that's your maximum, okay? Mm -hmm. So if I told you, Tim, this is where you need to spray, you start spraying there and you go, well, that's a little bit dry. Like, I feel like it's over-atomized. We can always go down, right? That's our ceiling. So traditionally, I would say with the majority of your products, I'm somewhere between again, depending on the size of the job, between 24 and 28 pounds is about where I spray damn near everything with it wide open. I'd tell you 26 is a great starting point because then you can either go up or down two pounds. And that two pounds does make a, a big enough difference um, that you'll notice the two pounds up, you'll get a little bit more atomization. It's gonna go on a little bit smoother, but, but maybe it's hot out that day. And because of the heat, it's going on dry or you're getting a little bit more peel than you'd like. Dropping two pounds allows it to be wetter. And some people don't think of it that way. But, but when you're taking a liquid that's a solvent-borne paint and you're hitting it with air, 
there is in-flight solvent loss that takes place just from that process of atomization. So by turning down the air, you're, you're hitting it softer. You're still breaking it up. You're still creating a nice tall pattern of what you expect when you pull the trigger on the gun, but you're not drying the material out. So the material can hit the panel, whether it's vertical or horizontal, and flow out enough where you're compensating for a little bit of that temperature by reducing your air down. I had a guy call me up and the poor fellow was about to pull his hair out because it was a hot day. It wasn't laying right. So someone told him to put in acetone, which yeah. flashes off quicker. Yeah, very and then he ended up cranking the air pressure up because somebody told him to, and he was just pulling his hair out, trying to figure out why isn't it laying out wetter? And you've yeah. just explained what I was trying to tell him is you've added more solvent to it that flashes quicker. You put more air through it. So it's like you're trying to spray with the fan right next to the gun and it's blowing the solvents out of it while you're in the midst, midst of spraying. Yeah. It's just not laying wet. If you've done the opposite and turn that air pressure back a little bit and not even put the acetone in, he might've been better off. But again, a lot of the questions I get are typically, well, I'm trying to spray it out of a one seven and in a one eight. And so there's adding the extra solvent to it. And I go, you'd be better off. Just go ahead and get your gun. That's got the opening size that you need yeah. and let that material run out of there the way it's supposed to. And it will make a huge difference. And I Plus, was, yeah, it's, yeah, it just, it, it works. It just works. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing of guys that spray polyesters that just aren't true polyesters like yours, where you get six mils per coat dry. You know, if you're telling, if you call me and tell me you put three coats of polyester on and you burn through and you're about to apply again, I'm, I'm immediately, Tim, I'm like, time out. Okay. Either, either body work should have been done. You know, you're, you're trying to fix a wreck without pulling any dents out. Um, or there was something wrong there with the way you're spraying the product, the gun, you know, the, the customer that called you with the acetone in there and the 1.8 and they crank the air pressure, they just start stacking BBs and they're getting all this texture and this dryness that's stacking up, right? I'm sure anybody or, or most people that have list, are listening to this, uh, you know, you've seen that outer edge on a dry day of your overspray on a real hot day or something being really dry and it just, it turns into gravel on that outer edge of your overspray. That's exactly what Tim's saying here is, you know, he was trying to compensate that by adding acetone. So isopropyl alcohol and acetone are two huge, like, so quick for evaporation, right? Yep. It's why at doctor's offices, before you get a shot, they wipe it with isopropyl alcohol. It's because it doesn't absorb into your bloodstream as fast as a normal solvent would. It evaporates off really fast. Um, it, you put that in a product and couple it with high air pressure and a hot day, and you have just absolutely stacked the deck against yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I had a guy one time said, does this make sense? And he cleaned his gun with acetone. He walked into the booth and he had a piece of paper on the booth. And he said, and he starts to spray. He backs up to a point. It's the, the, the paper's not even wet. I said, well, you want to know why that's happening? I said, it's flashing off where you think it's close. Yeah. And then you start pouring that in to reduce the viscosity of some of these materials. That's why I said, instead of trying to, to, to go too small, go bigger cut back on the pressure. And those two things right there will save you a ton of time. So. Well, and guys try to compensate, right? I'll, I'll keep this brief, but guys try to compensate, right? We're supposed to be this far from the panel, six to eight inches away from the panel. And when it's dry, what, what's a natural, I'm a painter, right? By trade, it's, this is what I know is, is painting cars. 
and it's just a natural instinct. If it's dry, I'm going to push in. And, and I had to mentally train myself for that subconscious habit to be slow down. Don't push in, right? Because if it's, if it's going on too dry, I can slow my arm speed down and allow the material to wet on the panel. But by pushing in, all I'm doing is now I'm changing the attributes of your product. You know, if, if, if it's supposed to have 70% solids and 30%, you know, let's say 10% of that evaporates in, uh, in flight and there's still 20% of, of solvent in your product as it's on the panel and that's evaporating out, evaporating out as it's going through its drying process. When I push that in closer, I'm driving more solvent into the panel. So where I should have been getting six dry mills per coat, now I'm getting four dry mills per coat. Well, you know, and that's when you get the phone calls, right? Or your tech service gets the, oh, Evercoat products suck. I hate that side of spray gun. It's the worst thing I ever bought. Well, it, it might not be that, right? There, there's, there are boundaries and rules that we have to play by, and we can break some of those rules, but there's still a cliff. There's still a cliff where at a certain point you're going to fall off the edge and you've just, you broke the rules too far. Yep. Yep. And you know, just what you just thought, said right there. I remember the first time I was doing some painting and I always sprayed with a, a mid temp reducer and I got some high temp reducer, uh, actually low temp reducer by accident. And it was a warmer day. And I'm like, what the heck's going on with it? And, and I was trying that move in versus, you know, slow down. And it took me a while. That was a, a learning curve that, you know, we've all learned from our mistakes at one point or another. Okay. And that was where I learned that maybe if I just slow down as opposed yeah. to moving in and it, I, all of a sudden it was an eye-opening experience for me. Because let me yeah. tell you something, I, I will tell anybody, I can tell you the one, two, maybe three ways to use any of our products the right way. I can tell you hours and hours of stories of the ways not to use these products correctly. Cause I've yeah. been there done that. And as I said, I've bought that t-shirt and I have tried to burn the darn thing. Yeah. So when someone calls me and says, well, the product's not doing this or it's too dry I, immediately. I'm like, I got a feeling I know what's going on with this. So. And that's why you're so valued, valuable to us, right? Like if we run into somebody using your product and it's not working out, and it's beyond what I can figure out. It's I can call you and say, hey, man, this is what's going on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Here's what you need to do. And nine times out of 10, it's going to be exactly the fix that we need. Yep. And usually if, if we're having that conversation, you know, I say something that jogs your memory. You say something jogs my memory. And then we're like, oh, I think we just yeah. figured this one out. So, yep. yeah, it's yep. pretty easy yeah. after that. So. All right. Well, you know what, Chris, I really appreciate the time you spent on this. This has been excellent information uh, for anyone. Uh, Chris, you want to throw a shout out if, if someone was trying to reach out to you, how would they do it? Go by doing so for more information on the website for the guns. What was that website again? Yeah, SADAUSA.com, or you can call our main office at 1-800-533-8016. Uh, Sue or Mona is going to answer the phone there and they'll take care of you, whether it needs to get to me or one of the the other employees that we have there. If you need any help finding distribution, typically anywhere that they're able to buy one of your products, that distributor does have the ability to get SADA spray equipment. So we're a perfect match in, you know, anywhere they can find you, they can find me. And you know what, you, you said a point earlier, when you get a SADA spray gun, learn the technical information. When you yep. get one of our products, download the technical data sheet, because I'll tell you what, 
if you take the time and do the research to learn how the gun's set up and how to use the products and you put the two together, odds are it takes care of most of the questions on the back end. Sure. So. Yep. Yeah. You, you, right. found, you found a half hour to listen to this podcast with my sultry voice. You can take five minutes and read some technical data sheets. <laughs> Amen. They got to look at this face. Aren't they? Yeah. Hey, man. Look at the tech data sheets. Better looking than this. Yes. We're the new Kardashians right here. <laughs> well, Chris, thanks so much. Everyone, thanks for listening and tune in for next month's podcast. Thanks so much. Stay Thank safe. You.